Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another MentorCore. Uh, we have an amazing guest today, uh, Jonathan Feldman the CIO for the city of Asheville in North Carolina is here. Uh, and Jonathan and I have had a, we've known each other for quite a long time. And I'm really excited to get to, uh, to have Jonathan share some of his insights uh, and experiences with everybody. But I'm going to shut up now and say, Jonathan, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your backstory and, uh, and how you got to where, where we are today. Dan, Lisa Beth, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's my pleasure to be here. And you know, how far back you want to go, because, you know, I'm old, but really quick, I, I started my career in corporate New York City uh, for a number of reasons, moved to Savannah, Georgia, joined a local government there, uh, was working on firewalls when there weren't such a thing. <laughs> You remember those days, Dan. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> right? And uh, uh, got, my, got my teeth cut on things like 911 availability mm -hmm. and uh, very serious life safety systems and balancing that with, hey, there's this new thing called the internet and balancing between the people who were saying, we're all going to die and people who just wanted to plug into the internet. If only the first people weren't so wrong or right. right. <laughs> so it uh, would have worked much better had I gotten the words right. Right. So then went to work in professional services for a while with infrastructure and security and uh, had fun with that. Served military, uh, law enforcement, hospitals and banks and uh, was landed about 17 years ago at the city of Asheville and have turned over a ton of rocks during that time, including you know compliance and security and, and that kind of thing. So glad to be here. One of the things that you and I always I talk a lot about is that of public service and especially in information security. Out in the world, it's a very, uh, you know, there are, there's greater need, greater demand, and there's greater salaries, which means that an already hard problem of attracting and retaining talent to the public service, to, to local constituencies, to state, gov state and federal government uh, is hard. But you, you and I have talked a lot about the power of the mission um, and how that plays in. And I think there's a lot of people in our, in our audiences that think about coming into that and following the mission. I'd love to get your thoughts. Absolutely. So I think there are two major things that, that we compete on in public sector. Helpful hint, it's not salary, <laughs> right? But where we do compete is meaningful work and quality of work life. And so, you know, it, what I find hilarious is that, I, I mean, and sad at the same time, is it's so easy to compete on quality of work life because as it turns out, all you have to do is treat people like human beings and voila, their quality of work life goes immeasurably up. All you have to do is realize that the social contract for flexibility, especially for infrastructure and security people 
who might have to be there in the wee hours or who might have to be on call, flexibility goes both ways, y'all, right? <laughs> and so when someone says, I've got to take my mom to the doctor or I've got to bring my kid to school, the answer is yes, because we don't judge you. And this was true way before the great, the, the great resignation. We don't judge your work by your butt in a seat. We judge you by your outcomes. Imagine that. And has so, that always been the case in, in, public, in public service? Oh, I, I don't know all public service. Well. But I, <laughs> I think that there are public service places. I'm part of a group of CIOs that I think many or most, or maybe even all, ascribe to that. But I still think just like in corporate America, there are places that get it and there are places that don't get it. So I'm not saying we do everything perfectly by any means, but that's the first, um, that, that's the first aspect of where we compete is we compete on quality of work life, we complete, compete on collegiality, we, it's just a great place to work. People say it's a great place to work. We survey employees every quarter. They say, this is a good place to work. And nice. I don't know that a lot of places are like that. The second place, as you said, that where we compete is on mission and meaningful work. Because I've had jobs in my career, and I, I fast forwarded, but I've had jobs in my career where you get up at five in the morning, you go busted all day long, you go to bed at 11 at night, and you know what happens? You get a $100 bonus at Christmas, and the boss says, we didn't profit as much as we said we would, but I'm building another beach house. Motivation! All right. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> right? So... You know, I contrast that with you do rational things at rational times for the mission. For example, we understand that our police officers need to get stuff done. And there are key hours of the night and in the early morning where they are more in danger than others. So we have to schedule technology updates at times that might be inconvenient to our infrastructure and security people. Mm -hmm. And yet we do it. But we know, number one, if you, if you work with us, you know that number one, we're not gonna ask you to do nonsense things, right? They're gonna make rational sense. We're not just gonna have you get up at two in the morning because for no blessed reason. Number two, there's gonna be flexibility both ways. And number three, you understand that when you do something uh, like connect a new fiber network to our say station alerting system, right? That you're helping to reduce response time and Everyone in my department understands that when you reduce response time through technology, 
That means we get better public safety outcomes, both for law enforcement and for fire protection. And that, that's more of a motivator than the previous scenario. <laughs> In, indeed, and you know, the underpinnings of doing the right thing because it's the right thing also really is an amazing, uh, it's an amazing driver. So I love this conversation. I also love the idea that, you know, especially when you are focused on working for um, the government, whether it be local, state, um, federal, et cetera, there's a direct impact um, that benefits you as a citizen, consumer, et cetera. Um, as you think about how people navigate careers and when there are good times to be in service in the government, um, et cetera. How would you tell people who are entering their careers, navigating the next step in their careers, et cetera, how to you know, make themselves attractive as a candidate for these roles within um, you know, the, the government sector? So, I think more and more, if you're doing technology, if you're doing security, if you're doing infrastructure for government space, it really does help to know something about the government space. And sidebar, I think that's true no matter what industry you're, you're dealing with, right? Like when, when I dealt with banks, I had to learn more than I cared to know about banks and so on. Um, so that's one way they can make themselves more attractive as a candidate is, you know, what degree of knowledge do you have about how governments work, right? Another thing that I think you can do, at least from my perspective, is to position yourself as a lifelong learner because in, functional rather than dysfunctional IT and security. As it turns out, the best people are able to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. So positioning yourself as a lifelong learner. I mean, there are so many roles, especially in government service, where you know you're not going to get uh, necessarily, right? I mean, it happens that we find people who are financially secure and don't need to work that want to come to government service, right? And that's fine. But when there are folks early on in their careers who are not yet financially secure, we say, okay, well, we're not going to get somebody with 10 years of doing this, but boy, we'd love to have somebody who is a self-starter, who's motivated, who loves to learn, who loves people, who is a good communicator. Uh, I think we do people such a disservice by de-emphasizing uh, what I consider to be critical skills. Some people call them soft skills, right? But I call them critical skills because they're things like understanding how to deal with customers, understanding, you know, when I see somebody come from the service profession, Please don't remove that from your resume. I love knowing that you know how to deal with difficult customers, right? If you went and you got a, a security certification, don't remove the fact that you worked in the service industry because that tells me you know how to deal with customers. 
if, if you were a journalist, don't remove that. That tells me you probably know how to write. These things are critical skills because we're always having difficult conversations when we're telling people, when IT is a service profession and a helping profession, but like finance, law, and HR, we're also in compliance. And sometimes that means telling people no and exercising diplomacy and tact. So we want to know what your background is. If you were uh, a stage actor, I, I love to see that on your resume. That, that gives me a sense of you're okay with public speaking. Yes, love it, right? So be your whole person. I love it, yes, um, acting, right? Um <laughs> Let's make sure that we value all of the things yeah. that people bring to the table rather than just you have to fit this box in order to be exactly like me and therefore a worthy candidate. Um, on a similar topic, um, you know, I, I love that you um, are talking about renaming soft skills to critical skills because I, I couldn't agree with you more. What are some of the critical skills that you think need to be cultivated in the next generation of leaders? Well, I already mentioned writing. I already mentioned public speaking uh, because uh, believe it or not, one day you will need to public speak. You may be early career now, but wait until your first security incident. Mm -hmm. You will be public speaking. Mm -hmm. And it would be good to be good at it by then. Um, negotiation is a must because not everything. So I'll, I'll tell you why I say that. Because oftentimes you are forced into understanding that the definition of frugality is understanding that all wealth has limits. And so you may be in a bazillion dollar company, but you still have to fight for money. And it's much better to negotiate for money and rather than have to fight for it. Because as it turns out, when someone gets belligerent, the other party shuts down. And the opposite of that is to just go meekly into the night, which is also terrible to say, oh, we never get the budget money. So now we're not gonna get seventh generation firewalls. Oh, well, I guess, you know, come on. You gotta get the money for what you need. So at some point in your career, you're gonna need to be a negotiator in some way, shape or form. You're gonna have to learn about what is a position versus what is an interest and what are the common interests versus what are the divergent positions on the matter, right? Um, there's a great book called Getting to Yes. It's a very slim little volume. And I think it's a good career investment for anyone who is going to be having difficult conversations the way that we must have in infrastructure and security. Great. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, Jonathan. Cool. So, but the one thing, so you're talking about in negotiating, the one other thing that I, I think I heard in there as well, though, was also negotiating, learning to negotiate with yourself not just with others and that real that realization that not everything is at one end of the spectrum or the other it's not that it's not binary yes or no um but negotiating to find that middle ground of what you really need to pursue 
Indeed. Right. Because there are a lot of folks who, and I don't want to say it's lazy to just specify the platinum edition of whatever it is you need, you know, proxy server or whatever. But I think you need to understand that you're going to have to give and take as well as the other party is going to have to, to give and take. And that's why I mentioned interests versus positions, because your position may be, we need to get the platinum edition firewall or whatever it is, but the interest may, it is definitely keeping the organization safe. And there may be a number of ways to keep the organization safe. And just very briefly, there was a time where we had an administrator at, at one of, in one of my roles just turn off uncategorized websites. And that was great because as an administrator, I'm just keeping everyone safe. From the support desk perspective, it was a disaster because <laughs> the little law firms that the organization was contacting in town weren't categorized. And so they were being blocked. And so the help desk was getting, and I could mention 10 other examples. So the help desk was getting pummeled. So you really have to look at, and, and there were other ways to keep the organization safe besides turn off all uncategorized sites, right? Uh, and we could go into all of them, but it's probably not productive here. I'm sure all your listeners know how to do it. So, <laughs> But, but that's an example of, you've got to focus on the interest. Our interest is keeping people safe, not turning off uh, uncategorized sites. That's a position. And you got to be really loose with positions and really tight with interests. So one of the things that, uh, you know, you, you've had a variety of roles and you've operated in information security and CIO at the, the, some of the broader levels of things. And one of the things that people in the information security field, and I think same in the compliance field, is, is, is this path, is there a path, let's talk specifically about security, path from security into broader IT leadership? And how does that kind of discussion go when talking to a CIO about the things you need to get there. That can, how can people use CIOs to mentor them to make that next growth step, if that's the growth step they're after? Right, I mean, that's a fantastic question. And the answer to your first question is yes, it's absolutely a place that you can go. And the way to get there is to think about what is the path to CIO. And when people typically ask me, what is the path to CIO, I inevitably say one of the great paths is project manager. Why? Because project managers influence. They do not tell. And everyone thinks, well, I just need to be able to order people around well. But Such that that were the answer. Right? <laughs> like, if you're the CI, here's, you know, <laughs> here, helpful hint, if you're the CIO, you can't reach out to the HR director or the CHRO or the CFO and order them around. They're going to tell you to pound sand. So, you know, it is the art of influence. It is not ordering people around. Of course, you can give people direction who report to you, 
But that is not really your job as CIO. Your job, uh, one of the bits of, of CIO career advice that I got once upon a time was there are two kinds of CIOs, one who looks into the data center and one who looks out of the data center. You want to be the one looking out. And the idea is as the CIO, you are the chief customer management officer. You are the chief marketing officer of the IT organization. You are not to be in the data center messing around. So if that's something that would break your heart as a, an early stage career person, then you probably don't want to go for the CIO role. There are a lot of things that do pay off in terms of getting stuff done, having a sense of accomplishment, mentoring folks, uh, looking at people's leadership grow, and all of that is, is very rewarding. But if what you want to do is be in the data center and wrenching on things, it's probably not for you. But growing your ability to influence, cultivating your emotional intelligence, learning the art of diplomacy, which is to tell someone to go to hell in such a way that they enjoy the trip. <laughs> Those are all good things. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, that is a quote that I will uh, keep I'm for myself. I'm stealing that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what I think it's also what lawyers do sometimes. Um, but I, I will tell you, um, I couldn't agree more on the art of influence. And I think that applies across so many professions, um, particularly the guardian professions where, you know, part of our job is to say, this is really bad idea. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And here's what's in it for you if you start taking it this path versus another path, right? Um, one of the things that um, I don't think we're particularly good at is cultivating that um, sense of co-ownership, right, in outcomes. Um, so I love that you're bringing this up. I love that that we're talking about the the power and importance of influence because we want behavior change. Exactly, and and especially in security, we have a slogan at at City of Asheville. We have little you know security blankets with with this uh, logo on it. It says. Security is nothing without you, and we leave the you out of the security. It's very cute, but the but the idea is that we can do everything technologically, but if it's not a partnership, it's not going to work. It, it, it because it's us. It's all of us. We we fall or rise together. So I, I could not agree more. I love that. Thanks for bringing that really important point forward because um, so often in the trying to check the box and get it done, we forget that the humans that we work with are both our most valuable asset and our largest liability. Right. Everyone in these roles should work the help desk, the service oh, yeah. desk for some period of time to understand the, right after a change to understand the impacts. You'll never make, you'll never look at it the same again. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, and what's funny is, and this is just basic human nature. It's, it's probably true of all of us on this call. And I dare say probably all of the viewers, humans have this way of when a thumb is put down on them, they will wiggle out. Mm -hmm. because people don't like having a thumb on them versus if you can be a resource 
if you can help people stay safe, guess what? They want to stay safe. Nobody wants to be embarrassed by being the one who clicked on a link and, and see their career flash before their eyes. They're just as terrified as anyone else. And so if you can tap into that, and if you can be perceived as a helper, a guardian, not a warrior, then you're doing something right. That's phenomenal advice. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal advice. Um, Cause water will find its way through as will people. And the last thing you want them to do is hide it because they're afraid of a retribution. So Jonathan, unfortunately we are to the end of our time already. That went so fast. Um, but the last question that we ask everybody that comes through and you are no exception is, um, is, is to tell us what the best advice you've ever received from a mentor is. Oh, that's easy. The company will never love you back. Ooh. Never. And the reason that is the best advice that I think I've ever gotten and that I tell others is because you have this sense, especially early career, I certainly did, that if you just busted enough, if you just sacrifice enough, if you just show up enough, if you just hustle enough, if you grind enough, that somehow you will get the love back. Well, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. You can work 60 hour weeks for 10 years and then ask for a small concession. Uh, and depending upon who you're asking, they might say no. So, I would not operate with the model of the company will love you back, but I would operate from a model of responsibility. I would operate from a sense of doing the right thing. I would operate from a sense of uh, fellowship, getting the job done. Those are all good things, but do not, do not, do not, do not neglect your family, do not neglect self-care because it will bite you and it will bite you hard. Jonathan, thanks so much for all that great advice. Where can people find you? The best place to find me is on Twitter at underbar J Feldman as, as a uh, tip of the hat to my assembly language days. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I recommend the Twitter highly. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great read and uh, lots of really great insights. And uh, and Jonathan, you get to live. He's a live tweeter, so you get great experiences from when uh, when Jonathan's at conferences and others. So uh, give it a look. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it, and thank you, listeners, for being here as well. Uh, we will see you again on the next MentorCore.